All right, this is a guest in the house podcast. I'm Mickey Hess here with David Shanks, and we're going to talk about the metaphors of a guest in the house and a seat at the table. Well, here's the deal. Mm. I've been, you know, I've been in a mood the last couple weeks. Um, it's a good thing we didn't record, say, last weekend or the weekend before. Um, I've got some things on my mind. I'm trying to find the best way to um, get them across. But um, I hit you up via text, mm-hmm. and I said, um, I want to have a conversation about, you know, the premise of our show. Talk about the guest, a guest in the house, you know, of hip hop or just a guest in the house, period, sure. as the name of our show is. And, you know, we've had conversations on the podcast about the role of the guest. Your book is about the role or your role as a guest. Sure. Um, but what is the house of hip hop? So that's question number one that I want to kind of have a conversation about that's a big one what is the actual house right mm-hmm. because you know when I, you think house you think building a house you think foundation mm-hmm. you know you got your framing you got your outer layer you got your thermal barriers you know what i mean and yeah. you got your your mechanicals your, your your plumbing your heating your electric mm-hmm. then you got your finishes right you got your your your, your flooring and you know a thing or two about housing and real estate you markets my, you and hear all my, that. You hear my yeah. construction um, management graduate That's certificate coming go. in? Yeah. Um, so what, you know, hip-hop, and if we're, you know, speaking metaphorically, right, mm. I look at hip-hop today and I see, you know, um, 11-foot cathedral ceilings. I see, like, the greatest... Uh, mm. mahogany flooring people I talk see, about granite countertops and lyrics yeah I all see, the time stainless steel appliances correct i see gold chandeliers mm. 18 karat gold chandeliers i see all of the trimmings you know like sure. stained glass windows all of all of the trimmings but i have to wonder about our foundation okay. what does hip-hop stand on so did all this Glamour and glitz, did it kind of originate with Cribs as far as having a, a vehicle to show it <laughs> well, off? MTV well, Cribs? That's true. That's true. That's definitely true. Well, I mean, it, you know, it probably started from, you know, the aspirational yeah. rap of the beginning of rap. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I got a color TV so I can see the Knicks play basketball. You know there what I mean? Like, <laughs> 1979 Sugar Hill exactly. game, Rapper's so, Delight. So, you know, we've been there from the beginning. But mm-hmm. I mean hip-hop as a house mm-hmm. right so i ask you as a self-proclaimed guest well you said you're almost like a crasher yeah, i guess a for, self-proclaimed for, yeah, guest yeah, is a crasher yeah, right? yeah. i don't so, have my invitation <laughs> so you know as someone who you would say came from mm. and i'm correct me if i'm putting words in your mouth someone who came from outside of the culture absolutely and then came into the culture mm. and what do you did you do you still find it to be the same exact thing you know when we talked about the what you know keeps you in hip-hop sure. before but what do you see as the foundation of hip like the the, the pillars like what is the house mm-hmm. of hip-hop that you are a guest in is it just the music is it the, and we talked about the culture so i know with for you it's more of a cultural thing sure. and less of just rap because there's rap yeah. music and then there's hip hop, right? Definitely. Um, what are those, what is that foundation? So what is a cultural foundation? Yeah, I mean, you. If, if you just look at it as music, if you just look at it as a product that you can put on the radio, put on records or MP3s Correct. and sell and stream, Correct. it's too easy to say, well, you know, music doesn't really belong to anybody. Art is art and people have always borrowed and adapted and, uh, translated art to new audiences and new venues and you know how can you deny somebody the right to participate in art so perfect okay because that's the conversation that i want oh here we go that's the place to start art versus community well it has tentacles right it's a very layered conversation yeah and that's why i said what i said in terms of the house of hip-hop right and the foundation of the house of hip hop. Okay. 
what rap to the house to the foundation of hip hop rap is probably a vehicle that one would enter into the culture of hip hop via so you'd see rap first rap music as, rap as, as a product as, exactly and you would okay. say hey I'm into that and then you'd learn sure. about hip hop through that it was the mouthpiece of hip hop culture so is that like the windows is that the, you know what i mean is that the, hmm. the the flashy exterior that you would That's see the siding yeah that you would say hey this is awesome let me walk into this house yeah. it's that stone facade out exactly it's not even real stone it's just a little sliver you of feel, stone you feel me that's on where the surface. that's that's where I, that's where i am okay so that's rap music okay. i think a lot of people just say hip-hop yeah and they mean rap music well, you could take the four elements as pillars, right? As the pillars of the foundation. So you would have emceeing, mm-hmm. um, emceeing as an art form or a practice as distinct from rap music as a commercial product. Right. Um, you have DJing right. as a practice. Right. You would have b-boying or b-girling. Right. Um, which, of course, is breakdancing in the popular imagination is what it came to be called. Right. And then what else would you have? Graffiti. Graffiti. Just like we have here in the bathroom at the Rope-A-Dope Room. Correct. Yeah, but Correct. a little different. Correct. Yeah, a little but, more of a but, grand scale. Yeah, but the same. There's some know? cool stuff in there. Yeah, absolutely. Cool tags in there. So you would say then the house is built on the foundation. Mm-hmm. Now. And that's the artistic are foundation. We go, the artistic foundation. Yeah. Now, are we going with the fifth element of knowledge as brought to us by the Zulu Nation? Zulu Nation, knowledge, community. Yeah. I think that's got to be in there. So if our, the spoken word, because right, mm-hmm. so, we take it for what it is at hip hop, but it speaks to culture on a larger scale, mm-hmm. right? Because hip hop is a culture, right? So you have the spoken word, which mm-hmm. is, you know, rapping for the case of hip hop. You yeah. have the, um, the visual art, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is the um, graffiti, graffiti, right? You got dance. You have dance. And then you have instrumentation, instrumentation, right? right? The turntables as instruments. Exactly. The rhythm, the beat, the drum, whatever, you know, and then you have knowledge, you have the fashion, you have whatever it is you consider to be the fifth element. I would say most cultures probably break down some kind of way. You know, if this is ancient Kemet, Egypt, um, you would say the hieroglyph, you know what I mean? You would say, the, or the Medunetta, you would say mm-hmm. the um, whatever other symbols, the, the religion, the spiritual systems, rather. You'd say you'd have all of these same pillars in a different way expressed, sure. but the same thing. So if that's the foundation mm-hmm. that we stand on as a house, When one, well, can we hold a guess to a standard that we don't hold the inhabitants of the house to or the builders mm. of the house to? Is Are the builders of the house still involved in? Still in control, still in charge. Right? Correct. Yeah. Or are we all at this point? kind of just guess like if you come into the if you come into hip-hop with no awareness of the foundation Mm. no regard for the foundation um no what's the word responsibility to maintain the foundation sure are you as much of a guess as who we would consider to be a guest which is someone outside of the culture, as we tend to say, or that person's outside of the hip hop culture. So is, and I guess that's the largest point, which Mm. is hip hop a birthright for black people? See, the easy answer is yes. And I think it can be a tricky answer though, because there are a lot of folks out there who try to conflate 
hip hop culture with black culture as if the two are one and the same. Right. And obviously hip hop culture would be a very small facet, one small feature of black culture overall. Right. So it's very reductive to say hip hop culture is black culture as if the two just equal each other. Yes. And it gets people into a lot of trouble. Correct. Correct. There's now, the, Oh, go now, ahead. Now, does that mean that hip hop is out? side of black culture or that hip hop is like the latest incarnation of black culture hip hop is within black culture I would say but it's not the only even contemporary incarnation you know uh, even speaking just from my perspective working in universities you know I've met a lot of black professors who really don't like the idea of a class being taught on hip hop. Mm. Don't really think it's that valid a subject. Don't care much about it. Mm. Um, you know, especially folks who come from the civil rights era. Okay. Really even look at the hip hop era with some disdain. Okay. As but, if it's putting out a wrong message about black youth. Okay. Um, and that, that's a conversation we should have. It's a lot of conversations here. Would, so yeah, should do a no, podcast. It's a good thing we have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I would, you know, obviously I would retort, to those folks, mm. one, like, that's just <laughs> not a relevant conversation at this point. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't, you can't have kids and that sure. be your. And grandkids in some yeah, cases. Yeah, that can't right? be your feeling. So that's just an old, yeah. you know. But I do agree that black culture can operate mm. outside of hip hop. Sure, it's bigger than hip hop. Correct. Go back to Deb Prez and Correct. MK Asante. But I also do believe that there's a spirit that kind of flows through um, generations of sure. my people, and that the inception of hip hop comes from that spirit. That spirit oh, continues to incarnate itself in different yeah. forms the precursors to hip-hop you can trace back to the transatlantic slave Correct. trade you can trace back to all kinds of cultural Correct. cultural practices and phenomena from africa correct so, absolutely and so, the caribbean of correct. course involved in all that correct so in that it is definitely black culture absolutely but it's not all of black culture it's correct. not the only correct facet of black Correct. culture it's just some, the one we see the most and then there's some people who didn't i guess just like you said about the old professors mm. and stuff they just didn't move yeah with that kind of flow they just did their own thing so all of that mm. what i'm struggling with is just that like i'm struggling with mm. the um we're holding people to the fire because they're outside of the culture. Mm. But I don't know that as a culture, we're checking ourselves. So that same responsibility for like a white outsider to prove herself or himself as knowing something about the culture hip hop comes from in order to participate. You don't feel like that is asked the same way or to the same extent of black participants. Yes, but I don't think there's an actual recognition of the necessity to maintain a cultural foundation uh -huh. from the participants of the culture. I think mm. that it's very surface things like to just look at a person who's a guest and mm. say, you're a guest or sure. you're a culture vulture or mm. you're this, that, that, and the third. And we're allowing you to be in this. So, you know, mm -hmm. X, Y, Z, whatever that may that case may be, or not really, because I mean, the majority of the feedback from, you know, your Lord Jamars or the folks who talk about is usually just shut shut up. Like, <laughs> so it's not as if there's this You big, can participate. You just can't make the rules or challenge the rules. Yeah, but there's not like this big backlash to say um, any guess, really, in hip-hop. It's kind of just like, ah, mm -hmm. oh, that's old people talk and shut up. Everybody can be in hip-hop and it's all good. And I think mm -hmm. that that 
while that's okay, that's I don't have like a problem with that. My problem is what is hip hop about in 2020? And is that connected to that foundation we were talking about? And is about, that connected which to included that knowledge foundation? And One. Yeah. Two. If it is black culture, which it absolutely is. Absolutely. What is that saying in 2020? Like, what what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What are we doing? And so I had that thought when mm -hmm. we talk about a guest in the house. I'm like, okay, cool. We talk about the guest. We don't talk about the house. What's up with the mm. house? Let me come back at it from a, an outsider perspective. That's that's what I want. I'll that, shut that's up. That's what I do. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't think it's good form for the guest to tell you to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shutting myself up. Okay, you volunteer. Yeah. I just <laughs> wanted to be as clear as where, because it's all in yeah. my mind scrambled. But mm -hmm. what's up with the house? See, I think we're on the same page. Yeah. You and I absolutely agree that hip hop is indisputably black culture. Correct. But black culture is also bigger than only hip hop. Correct. So the trick is you have a lot of white folks out there mm -hmm. who consider themselves the least racist person you've ever met because they love hip hop. Okay. Because they love Big Sean, um, because they love the NBA, because they love LeBron, right? Right. But those may be the only black folks they ever interact with. Okay. And the trick with approaching culture that way is you grow up kind of obsessed with N.W.A., let's say. You sort of come to feel like it's yours. You know, I was listening to N.W.A. back in 87. Right. You know, I had N.W.A. in the posse. I had the first Easy e album. You know, that's mine as much as it's anybody's. I was there from day one. But you come to feel like you have an authority to speak on issues that you may not understand at all because you're only interacting with black folks through entertainment whether that's sports or music or comedy or what have you. Okay. So that's why it's important to maintain some kind of distinction for a guest where I would have to check myself and think, okay, is it really my moment to voice my opinion on this? Okay. Um, you know, Lord Jamar has said things should work this way. Is it really the time for me to step in and say, well, I don't know. Let me challenge that. Okay. You know, coming at it from the foundation too, um, cool Herc. You know, one of the builders of the foundation, right? Cool Herc, the father of hip-hop. Um, he was on a Mr. Green EP. They did a co-EP last year. Oh, wow. Um, Mr. Green's a, a white yeah. producer from Philly. Yeah. Um, you know, Cool Herc, the father of hip-hop. Right. And Cool Herc says on an interlude that, that hip-hop was never about color. It didn't matter the color of your skin. It didn't mean a damn thing. Right. Now, simply because Cool Herc says that, I, as a white fan and critic and scholar of hip-hop, I can't really just say, like, oh, man, Cool Herc says it's cool, man. Everything's fine. I don't have to think about this stuff anymore. He right. said it doesn't matter. Right. Um, even though he's one of the founders, one of the builders, it'd be too easy for me to say, well, I'm off the hook. Yeah. You know, I guess I don't have to worry about being a guest anymore. Right. The first guy to lay the first brick says that it's all right. 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 So you, you find yourself in some tricky territory if you if you're too willing to let yourself off the hook. Mm. Mm. So that's why I think these metaphors are important because if they work the right way, they get people to think a little more about you know who they are in relation to culture, who they are even in just relation to art. Mm. Now, do you think that that becomes different for you because of your entry point into hip hop? In other words, mm. if I'm 18, if I'm 17, sure. and I'm, you know, coming of age in this time, does it really matter? The, you know what I mean? Mm. Like that, that responsibility that you speak of. Yeah. If I'm a white kid and I'm looking at hip hop as basically like rock and roll, American youth culture it's yeah it's not only the primary representative of black america it's the primary representative of america correct around the world correct yeah so is hip-hop what we're saying it is anymore hmm. and ha therefore do these do these pillars still stand and do mm -hmm. i need to be aware of them or is this just rock and roll is this just youth american youth mm -hmm. culture and to hell with all of the stuff that you old people are talking about 
It's not about black. It's not about white. It's not about anything. It's just hip hop. It's just dancing and having a good time and wearing my clothes the way I wear my clothes and, you know, and doing what I do. It's not about any of that stuff that you guys are talking about. So if hip hop were not about any of that stuff, it would be one of the only features of contemporary life that wasn't. I mean, you see race popping up everywhere. Um, There's really no issue that you can't wrap race right around at the root. So I think... I mean, hip hop can't exactly exist outside of politics and all the, it, all the scary ways, stuff going on. In many on. ways, it does. You know how many times? Yeah. How many times have you heard? Yo, it's just music. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that deep. We're just having fun, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not that deep. Like, why are we? Why yeah. do I? I don't feel the need to have to address these things in my music. I just I make music, yo. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not a politician. Well, I'm not a X Y Z. If you stick with the house metaphor again. So it's as if um, there's still the house there. There's still a foundation that Cool Herc and Grandmaster Flash and Africa Bambada and Lady B and uh, everybody else involved laid all those years ago. But it's like this part of hip hop you're talking about, maybe they've moved into like a little apartment above the garage. <laughs> <laughs> they're like Fonzie on Happy Days and they're up there doing kind of their own thing in the backyard of this original house. Okay. Some of them may know a little bit about what went on in the house. Some of them may know a lot. Right. But you feel like you're not seeing the same commitment to that knowledge that you mentioned. So when, when do you feel that, um, because we would both say that this phenomena took place at a particular point in time. It feels like there's a particular point in time where hip hop took a left, yeah. got enveloped yeah. by mainstream culture mm-hmm. and became just an American export, right? And, and no the longer, politics got drummed out of it. Correct. And no longer a statement or mm. a, 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 a subculture within mm. black or urban America. And so I'll stop asking you questions <laughs> and I'll say, I'll say, cause I'll, I'll, I'll lend to this. Yeah, My, go for it. what I'm struggling with is I think that as black culture, mm-hmm. hip hop is in many ways failing mm-hmm. <laughs> its people. Okay. And the people that created it and it, it was intended for. Um, hip hop at large. Hip hop as a culture. In 2020. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think that that is a sacrifice. That was made. We talked about in our um, Black History Month podcast that um, a lot was sacrificed for us to become a part, to be absorbed sure. by the main politic, the main, you know. So we're back to that assimilation versus separation correct. debate. Correct. And I. It's not that it shouldn't have assimilated because how would, how would it not? Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to see that the cultural part of it was eroded mm. in that assimilation to the point now where, like I said, we're on a shaky foundation. We have beautiful yeah. fi- finishes. Granite countertops. The, 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 the paint is very glossy. <laughs> It's not Red Man's credit. No, no. <laughs> this is top of the line paint. Like Shoot. I said, gold, 18 karat gold chandeliers. Oh, yeah. We have the, the best mahogany hardwood floors. I saw a picture of Kanye's refrigerator. You understand? <laughs> have you seen his pool? Um, Drake's is bigger. Uh, He's just saying. That's it. Kanye has a nice pool. He's just yeah. saying his is bigger. Hey, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but the foundation, mm-hmm. you know, we're on swamp land. So where do you still see some of that culture and knowledge in hip hop in 2020? I mean, there's tons of artists, sure. tons of artists who um, are still, but are they being amplified? Mm-hmm. Um, and is like the cultural representation, the representation of the culture as it goes to athletes, to entertainers, to actors, because hip hop, again, you know what I mean? You can be an actor, 
yeah. and still be a part of hip hop culture. You can be a you know soul singer, an R and B singer, and, and, and a basketball player. Like it's still hip hop sure. culture. Like Allen Iverson is still hip hop. Yeah, absolutely. You understand? He's one of the like icons of hip hop. Sure. As a basketball player, so. But I don't think that we're using hip hop to um, really effectively communicate to each other mm-hmm. about the things we need to be communicating to each other about to um, enact some of the change that we're asking for. Okay. Um, I think that, you know, hip hop artists, some of us may react to things that have happened in real life and in real time, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Meek doing the um, social justice thing with the um, incarceration and sure. everything like that, which is great, what he's doing with Robert Kraft and yeah, China. Yeah. And awesome. Yeah. But as a culture um, and the product and the things that come out of the culture, is it reinforcing the foundation hmm. of hip-hop? Or they just and living over there, the garage. Right. And is there still that foundation? And if that foundation is black culture mm. and it's an extension of black culture, then what does black culture need at this point in time in order to get us further along? Mm. All of this, the backdrop to all of this is what we've been hearing in you know various award shows things of that nature where folks are starting to be um get aggravated with the powers that be yeah and um the lack of diversity mm-hmm. the lack of um recognition definitely so we're starting to get a lot of fight back from artists saying hey this is not right I want to be acknowledged. We want to be, you know, put up on pedestals similar to what our white counterparts or our counterparts outside of the culture are getting. And when I see that, I say, okay, well, now is the time Mm -hmm. to reinforce the foundation of your house. Okay. I see what you mean. Play, we have a... um, Tyler the Creator clip, Go right? Tyler from from his from his recent Grammy okay. win, and um he he gave a speech not to speech during like when he won the Grammy, but they do like the press the presser after. Okay, and um play 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 some of that, Anthony. I'm very grateful that uh, what I made could just be, you know, uh, acknowledged in a world like this. Um, but also, it sucks that whenever we and I mean guys that look like me do anything that's genre bending or that's anything, they always put it in a rap or urban category, which is, and I don't like that urban word, it's just a politically correct way to say the N-word to me. So when I hear that, I'm just like, why can't we just be in pop? Why can't it just, you know what I mean? So I felt like half of me feels like the the rap nomination was a backhanded compliment, like, oh, uh, my little cousin wants to play the game. Let's give him the unplugged controller so he could shut up and feel good about it. That, that's what it felt like a bit. Right. So that's um, Tyler, the creator, um, via, you know, CBS, Instagram, um, receiving his award and giving comments about, you know, just his appreciation sure. for the acknowledgement, but also... Just backdrop is that album. It's a really good album. It's sure. probably got four raps on it. It's not exactly it's not, it's a not rap a, album. It's not right? a rap album, but it won Best Rap Grammy. And yeah. that goes back to the conversation we had about who gets sure. to expand, who gets to do different things and get acknowledged for doing different things. So it, it can't win the best album, album. but it, can re- it can't even be rap. nominated <laughs> because it's Tyler, yeah. the creator. He's a rapper. Sure. Boop. So going back years ago, they didn't even plan to air, or they didn't air Correct. the rap category. Correct. I think DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince won that year, Correct. right? And and they didn't air the award for rap music. So 
how do you how would how would you react to that kind of I don't know sideway acknowledgement. So if I got like an award for best white researcher on hip hop, <laughs> yeah, two thousand twenty. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course it. it Puts a little asterisk. It's like Barry Bonds, but you know, you want be Berkeley's award, Berkeley's records, one of these awards, but steroids. There's a little asterisk that says, right. but he used performance enhancing drugs. Right. Um, of course, in this case, Tyler didn't use any performing enhancing drugs. He just happened to have an album that had some elements of hip hop. And as he said, probably the way he looks. And it um, wasn't the, best hip hop album. No. It was the best rap. It was best rap album. album. That's right. So one should be rapping. Yeah. And it's not exactly a rap album. Right. 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 Now, I guess this isn't the first time we've heard this. No. We've been hearing this the entire time. Almost sure. every year we hear this. Yeah. So then who's the guest? <laughs> See, now we're talking about a different house, <laughs> right? And this is where um, David sent me a text, and he had mentioned the uh, seat at the table metaphor yeah. as opposed to the guest in the house metaphor. Right. And the seat at the table metaphor, in this context, I think would go back to Shirley Chisholm. Right. Right, um, who said, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Um, she's the first black candidate to seek a major party nomination for president. Correct. She's the first black woman elected to Congress. Congress yeah, post-reconstruction, right? Post-reconstruction, yeah. sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Solange Knowles borrowed that sentiment and borrowed a piece of that quote for her album, A Seat at the Table. So now we're talking about a different table in a different house. If we have right? a house, why do we need a seat at the table? That's See? the question. Okay. <laughs> So the table's in a different house, The right? table's in a different house. It's We're different leaving house. our house <laughs> to go get a seat at another table. Is that yeah. necessary? Well, I guess we're back to the, uh, the notions of integration versus separation again, right? More than that. Well, not more than that. It's just, it's a simple question. Mm. If you have a house, a whole house, yeah. and your house generates billions of dollars, sure. does it matter that there's another house with a table where people are eating? So do you even need that acknowledgement from the Grammys, from that large When house? you could continue to build upon sure. your house. Okay. When... and. I'm getting frustrated because I'm kind of tired yeah. <laughs> of hearing, and maybe this makes me sound like a Republican or something. Maybe I'm starting oh, to sound no. like a, I don't know. But it's like, at what point in time mm. do you look back at your house and go, hey, wait, I've got a leaky pipe. I've got mm. some foundational issues there may be a little bit of a hole in my in my roof i may need to do some patchwork i may need to rip some things off mm -hmm. and build upon it this is my house but i'm looking at this other house and i'm looking at this dinner table and i'm saying i want to eat at that table ah, i want to go tell them about my house where I, don't, I come from i don't see where mm -hmm. we've proven that we can do both I think we go, we go after the table mm. and we lose a little bit of our house. Ooh, so it's a tough line to straddle, right? I, I think so. Mm, that's interesting. Play that Joaquin Phoenix clip. This is, um, you know, um, tremendous actor. Joaquin Phoenix starred in The Joker. Probably will get uh, I Oscar feel for, very if he hasn't already. honored and privileged uh, to be here. Tonight, Baptists have always been very supportive of, the of my career, and I'm deeply appreciative. <clears throat> but I have to say that I also feel um, conflicted because so many of my fellow actors that are deserving don't have that same privilege. Uh, I think that we send a very clear message to people of color that you're not welcome here. Um, I think that's the message that we're sending to people that have contributed uh, so much to our medium and our industry and in ways that we benefit from. 
Um, <clears throat> I don't think anybody wants a, uh, a handout or a preferential treatment, although that's what we give ourselves every year. I think that people just want to be acknowledged and appreciated and respected for, for their work. This is not a self-righteous condemnation because uh, I'm ashamed to say that I'm part of the problem. I have not uh, done everything in my power to ensure that the sets I work on are inclusive, uh, but I think that it's more than just having sets that are multicultural. I think that um, we have to really do the, the hard work to truly understand systemic racism. That's good. Um, that's good. That's uh, Joaquin Phoenix speaking after winning a uh, Best Actor Award at the uh, BAFTA, which is the British, um, uh, British Academy, Academy of, of Film and Television Awards. There yes, there Film you go. Film and Television Awards, <laughs> that's it. And so that's, you know, someone being an advocate. Sure. And a good one at that. And I an salute ally him. ally. Yeah. And I salute him for taking his moment mm-hmm. to acknowledge, you know, his counterparts. And as he says, he could be doing more on the set every day. Yeah. It's not just that he, he has the responsibility to get out this message. He Correct. could push any movie set he works on with the status he has now to hire more people of color. Correct. And is that his, but is that his responsibility? Is that his responsibility? I think it is. You think so? I think it is because he has the power to make that happen. And you see, so I guess I come at it from a both and mm. kind of point of view. And I think sometimes we um, levy mm. kind of the responsibility on, you know, other folks to do okay. for. Now, would I love every actor in Hollywood or every producer in Hollywood or every um, uh, studio exec in Hollywood to feel this way? Yeah. Sure, I of would. Of course. Right? But um, am I going to bank or just invest my betterment as an artist, as just a human being on what? People in power. Yeah, you don't want to leave it up to him. You understand? No, what I'm I mean you got the responsibility Correct. too for yourself, of course. Correct. Yeah, I guess in Correct. my mind, if he's gonna make that statement, it's fair to include that self criticism, and hopefully Absolutely. he'll start working a little harder. On Absolutely. That, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, <sighs> that's where I'm at. That's the conundrum mm-hmm. I face. I just. I'm just it's I'm tired of it <laughs> to be to be frank I'm tired of it and I and I understand where you're mm-hmm. coming from you know as you know a white ally mm-hmm. saying hey you know we are responsible for this especially those of us who are benefiting from hip hop culture mm-hmm. who are involved in hip hop culture it is um our duty in many ways to advocate sure. for the uh for the system systemic you know disinclusion and disenfranchisement sure. of I get it, and I'm I'm all for that, but um, you know that's asking a lot of people. Yeah, I think especially like I said in 2020, where this is no longer a fringe culture that you have to go and mm. seek as a white person to get involved in. This is mainstream culture. Is right there, definitely. Right, this is mainstream culture that one would say, okay, black people are the best at it because you know they have the sauce you mm-hmm. know like black people have the style they have the sauce they okay. have the thing that makes that drives this culture forward sure. but you got the roots where this culture came from right right but it's not it's for everyone yeah it's american culture absolutely and as long as it is that way then it's hard to then argue and for like inclusion because you didn't enter with enough cachet. Hmm. Is it cachet or enough of a dedication to that knowledge and that culture? Is that what people get criticized for? I think that, um, you mean people as in, as white people, as no, the no, outsiders. No, I'm talking the, about. Yes. I'm talking about black people. Oh, I misunderstood you. Okay, so <laughs> you're back to about, repairing that foundation. I'm talking about repairing, repairing the foundation. Okay. I'm talking about respect and okay. acknowledgement and where that comes from. So, what's step one to repairing this house? The I'm house not, of hip hop. I'm asking you what what you would 
how you look at this thing, when you hear all yeah. of this stuff, mm -hmm. as a white guy, taking out the responsibility of white people mm -hmm. to um, advocate and do what they can do for black people. You know, tell me what you think, <laughs> black people. You know, when I hear that, do. I honestly think, oh my God, here we go again. Um, because as a white person, I hear white people all day blaming black people for all their own problems. From the notion of black on black crime, which is a pretty silly notion anyway, because uh, most people who are killed are killed by people in their neighborhood of, of the same race. So. Of but you rarely hear the term white on white crime. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody ever says, well, the real problem is white on white crime. And I don't mm -hmm. know why we're not talking about that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, a white policeman shoots a young black man and all of a sudden I hear a white person saying, well, why aren't we so up in arms about black on black crime? Correct. You know, that same night, a young black man killed another young black man. And why is that not the problem? Correct. And I think there are obvious reasons why our attention might turn to a police officer murdering someone in someone blood. that's sworn to protect their right self, right so i mean it's a scary proposition to me as a white person to uh lay all the responsibility for the problems of the house of hip-hop that black people built at the feet of black people mm -hmm. i understand that i understand that but still what would be your advice what would be my <laughs> advice as where to start to repair this house where to start to mm. i guess if the goal is mm -hmm. a seat at the table of sure. mainstream more acknowledgement the proper acknowledgement mm -hmm. at these award shows the um no longer being say taken advantage of sure. in, in, in deals and things of that nature if the goal is mm -hmm. just like the, when we said when we talked about the schools Sure. And integration of schools and what the yeah. goal was. And you said. Absolutely. You said. <laughs> I don't know. Because it seems like we lost a lot. You talked about yeah. the principal who ended up being a janitor. You yep. talked about, okay. Some black schools were thriving under school segregation. Okay. So you understand exactly mm -hmm. what I mean. And not that you're mm -hmm. advocating, advocating for continued segregation. No. But what you're saying is what? They didn't get a fair shake exactly. during integration. The failure of school integration, I think, lays at the fault of white people. Correct. I would not put it that at the fault of black Correct. people by any stretch. But yeah. in that negotiation, mm -hmm. would you say that maybe black people should have taken more time to somehow secure our space enough mm -hmm. that when the integration agreement was agreed upon, we were coming in with more skin. Hmm. I'm not as aware of the history of that process as I should be, but I wonder how much of a negotiation it was. Uh, I'm probably wasn't much. At all. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it was more of a proclamation, probably, probably, right? Probably the school wasn't. is shut down now. You go to school across the street. Okay. So 60, Years later, 70 mm. years later, right? yeah. it was from the 1950s. So as we fight for a seat at the table mm -hmm. in mainstream culture, mainstream business, but we have this little house that we built yeah. called hip hop. As we see, as I see this happening again, mm. the more we blend in, and we become a billion dollar mainstream mm -hmm. business and maybe the what number one or two export oh yeah absolutely okay you see the original house sort of deteriorate correct crumble. correct mm -hmm. what do we do see i'm thinking about and what the answer to what we do mm -hmm. i don't i cannot say yeah. falls at the feet of white people no i mean the, the white people didn't build it the White forces, people put it on the market. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say the forces that hip-hop struggles against are definitely at the feet of white people, but that Correct. doesn't mean there's no responsibility on the part of black people. Correct. I mean, I'm thinking about hip-hop success stories of labels started outside the mainstream, like Rap-A-Lot Records in Houston. Right. 
um, like Master P and No Limit in New Orleans, who right. at the time were total outliers, you know, between the New York scene and the L.A. scene, and maybe the Atlanta scene was creeping up by the time you got to No Limit. Correct. But these were were entrepreneurs who sought to tap into untapped markets. I mean, Houston's kind of a prime example of hip-hop entre- entrepreneurial shit, mm-hmm. and the idea that, you know, we don't, our goal is not to get on the radio in New York necessarily. Well, I mean, and a lot of it was doors being shut in their faces. Oh, yeah, it wasn't and by choice. Exactly. But they sort of embraced being locked out of those coastal markets. And did something about it. And did something about it. So I would say look to those examples. And then look to what happened when uh, some of those labels got incorporated. You know, when Luke Records, for example, tried to sell out to uh, Electra, I believe it was. And Luke kind of backed out of the deal last minute and then ended up barely being able to sell Luke Records a few years later. So if I'm hearing you, I'm hearing a uh, refocus on independence. A refocus on independence in local markets, neighborhoods. Is is that not what I'm saying. Does that sound like segregation? <laughs> that does sound like segregation. Okay, okay, brother Mickey. So Mickey Hess advocating for segregation <laughs> okay, here brother. on a guest in the house podcast. Okay, brother Mickey. Okay, I just wanted to know. Somebody's going to take that out of context. It's <laughs> going to be a soundbite. I can't wait. No, I'm just playing. I would I would never let you go down that river alone. I will, um, no, but I, I think that, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that, um, and if I'm, yeah, look, if it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it can't be both. And I think that the, a, a large theme of this podcast from the David Shanks side yeah. is it can't be both on a myriad of things. It's okay. got to fall apart on one side or the other. I'm okay right? with whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But it's like you want this and this at the same time. And it's like, yeah. it don't work like that. I mean, Tyler used the term conflicted. Of course he's conflicted, yeah. right? yeah. Yeah, I mean, and with Luke Records, it was Atlantic Records. Yes, He was, was. talking to Sylvia Roan at Atlantic yeah. Records. The deal was ready to go. And he writes in his memoir about how he backed out last minute because he had built this. Mm. And it was his company. It was named after him. But he'd yeah. run it for all those years. Yeah. But ultimately, it was a bad decision not to sell it. Yeah. And they ended up losing a lot of money. Yeah, because all he need, all he had to do was go down the street and get another person to do sure. something very close to that. I That's mean, true. you know, like there was no limit, mm. and then there was cash money. And yeah. And then today, Luke doesn't even own the rights to the name Two Life Crew. He can't perform with or as Two Life Crew because somebody else owns it. Yeah. Yeah. So that. That's kind of that school segregation story again, right? Where uh, at least he had some choice in the matter. There was a negotiation in that case. And yeah. he admits in his book he didn't, he didn't really handle the negotiations the way he wished right. he had. But you understand why, mm-hmm. he, um, why he did what he did. And I guess the, question then, the right? question then becomes like, you know, what, you know, your personal definition of success. Yeah. You know, was success holding on to it even though it ends up, yeah. yeah. Or is success taking the check and keeping it pushing? I mean, I've seen else. seen pictures of Luke's current house. I think he's doing fine. I think you Luke's know, okay. he, he was doing fine either way, I right? Think Luke's okay. Yeah. You know, in many ways, um, you know, and we talked about that book again of hip hop. There are definite mm. times where I feel like, whether deliberate or not, they've tried to, you know, erase sure. his legacy from the um yeah. and just what he means. And when you talk about knowledge at the foundation of hip hop culture, there was really no knowledge offered to Two Live Crew. Yeah. You know, you could get behind Ex- there. Except for independence. Except for <laughs> independence and mm-hmm. doing whatever the fuck they wanted, yeah. right? They yeah. weren't going to be told what words they couldn't yeah. say, and they were willing to fight it all the way to all the Supreme, the Supreme Court. Court. And, you know, there's power in that. Absolutely. In that lesson. You know yeah, song I mean? by so. song, if you listen to Put Her in the yeah, Buck, there's not a lot of knowledge in yeah. those singles. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So does that. Would that exclude somebody from part of the foundation of hip hop? We're looking for that knowledge at the foundation. I mean, there were always ignorant rappers. There were always rappers who didn't care to spread a message or be political. And like I said, what is, again, what is knowledge, right? Knowledge Mm. comes in different. It can be, you know, there's knowledge in ignorance. True. (laughs) So I would say, I would say, yeah, you know what I mean? We're not looking for a, um, one dimensional, mm-hmm. completely conscious. That's not who we are 
as as people. So I would never say, oh, be conscious. I, mm. you know what I mean? I'm, I have a catalog of records that aren't that conscious. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, but the knowledge is in mm. we're building a cultural foundation. And he was a businessman. He, he was. He made it happen. He was. Right? And hip hop's full of those stories when on the album it may sound like there's no message there, but if you look at the full circumstances, the biography, the there's so much exactly. going on. Exactly. And continuing that and allowing that to produce mm. newer generations and newer generations and newer generations and having equity in your culture. Equity. We're back to those real estate metaphors. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about redlining sometime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be the next episode. Maybe that's the next episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, um, yeah, I just, you know, I've been hearing it and I've been seeing it and it's very, um, mm. I don't know. It's a dangerous thing when we, you know, get into the asking thing again and telling people what yeah. they're supposed to be doing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the conflicted position of wanting to own your house but also get attention and accolades from this larger house with this table, you'd like to see that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough position. I don't think it's one that white artists find themselves in and really anyway. No. I mean, being a guest in the House of Hip Hop, when you've got this bigger house that you're already that, you know, you already belong in this bigger house. Yeah. You're going to be okay. Yeah. You can always pick up the acoustic guitar and be Whitey Ford. Um, you know, let's pick up the electric guitar and be Kid Rock. And get it and get a best album yeah. Grammy now. Oh, you not get a rap album. You get so much attention for that, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, well, America loves to see a white rapper pick up an acoustic guitar. I, it, it, it appears so. He's grown up. <laughs> you know, now he's a real artist. It appears so. Now he's left that hip hop stuff yeah. behind. Or you do the, you know, you're the you're the teeny bob a pop star girl and then you have the album that's full of hip hop mm. and you get all the features yep. and then you about face, you go back to your pop gone. side and <laughs> then you it. say that rap lyrics are misogynistic. Ooh, that's Miley Cyrus yeah. who was, who was jumping around on stage with an inflatable dick. Yeah. You know? that, yeah. She did that <laughs> about a year before she said hip hop was too sexualized yeah. and misogynistic. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. I mean, you know, that's where we at. I, I don't know. I don't know that I have any more, buddy. Yeah, I think that'll do this episode, right? Yeah. Want to close us out? Um, you go first. All right, so this is Mecky Hess signing off, Guest in the House podcast. No, we didn't. Um, oh, we're going to read. sign us How off do without I reading. <laughs> How do I always forget this? So, you know, this conversation to me made me think a little bit about racial essentialism, mm. which is basically the notion that being black means one thing, being white means one thing. Yeah. Um, which is obviously wrapped around this whole discussion of houses and tables and all these metaphors. So it reminded me, I had brought up a quote from Toni Morrison, or actually a student had brought up a quote from Toni Morrison in class last semester. Toni Morrison's idea that Bill Clinton was the first black president. Mm. A lot of folks are familiar with that quote, don't know it comes from Toni Morrison originally. Mm. Wow. So I saw a little bit of essentialism in this quote that I found a little problematic. Mm. And a student asked me, you know, as a white professor, is it really all right for me to suggest Toni Morrison, um, a black Nobel laureate, could engage in racial essentialism? Mm. And I, my response was, I wouldn't do it like if I overheard two black folks talking in the line at Wendy's. Um, I wouldn't tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, let me weigh in here. Right. Uh, but as a professor, that's absolutely my job. Mm. If it comes up, I have to address it. I have to ask you to think about it. So, yes, in my role as a professor, yes, in my role in line at Wendy's, absolutely not. would be absolutely out of line. So here we go. There's a little piece from my book, A Guest in the House of Hip Hop. starts with a quote from Toni Morrison. Almost every trope of blackness, single-parent household, born poor, working class, saxophone-playing, McDonald's, and junk food-loving boy. These were the qualities that led novelist Toni Morrison they call Bill Clinton, quote, our first black president, blacker than any actual black person who could ever be elected in our children's lifetime. So Ta-Nehisi Coates has emphasized that Morrison didn't intend to compliment Clinton for being, quote, sufficiently soulful to count as black, 
so much as welcome him to the powerlessness that even wealthy and prominent black Americans so often experience when they interact with the police and the courts. Morrison did write that Clinton endured a sex scandal that saw him, quote, metaphorically seized and body searched and, quote, treated like a black on the street, already guilty, already a perp. The message was clear, Morrison wrote of Clinton's impeachment, and it was a message all too familiar to black Americans. Quote, no matter how smart you are, how hard you work, how much coin you earn for us, we will put you in your place or put you out of the place you have somehow albeit with our permission achieved. You'll be fired from your job, sent away in disgrace, and who knows, maybe sentenced and jailed to boot. In short, unless you do as we say, i.e. assimilate at once, your expletives belong to us. End quote. Coates explained that Morrison was speaking about the treatment of black Americans. This is what America does to black people rather than speaking about attributes inherent in black Americans. This is how black people are. But I still see some, some essentialist thinking in her description of, quote, almost every trope of blackness, single-parent household, born poor, working class, saxophone playing, McDonald's and junk food eating, loving boy from Arkansas, and the way it equates black identity with poverty, junk foods, and single moms. <sighs> Such essentialist thinking awarded Bill Clinton an honorary blackness, even if Morrison was, as Coates put it, welcoming, into, welcoming him into a club which should not exist, mm. while Barack Obama's critics claimed that he was not black enough. Ben Carson argued that Obama was raised white. Cornell West claimed that Obama grew up in a white context. Obama, however, <laughs> believed himself to be black enough that he said, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon, which is to say he'd look like what a racist vigilante wanted to see as a threat. Obama had a black father and a white mother and was raised by white grandparents, but that did not make him something less than black. No wonder Earl Sweatshirt, born during President Clinton's first term, says he grew up too black for the white kids, too white for the black. Mm. I'll leave it at that. I love growing up in a white context. That's hilarious. How do you grow up in a white context? A white context. <laughs> yeah, it's very... Uh, yeah, and West was speaking from from Princeton University, of course, course which of is course, of course, one of the blacker contexts in American higher education. And I, you know, and I definitely see the problem. And we talked about hip hop not being all of black culture. Mm -hmm. um, single parent, um, fast food eating, <laughs> saxophone playing. <laughs> yeah, those words in a different mouth just don't sound right, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure they can sound right from Toni Morrison here. I mean, if we're going to be fair, yeah. if we're going to be fair, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to read um, a little bit from a genius article um, written by Chris Minch. Um, it's about Billie Eilish, Ooh. who um, very timely is a, um, a young artist who um, swept up all of the major um, awards at yeah. this past Grammys. Um, I hear she's awesome. She has a beautiful voice. She's hip hop influenced, but mm. she doesn't necessarily make hip hop, I guess. Absolutely. But um, here we go. Billie Eilish thinks there's a lot of lying in hip hop right now. Mm -hmm. is the name I heard the about article. that. Okay. Although Billie Eilish is known for the dark subject matter of songs like Bury a Friend, she's clarified that many of her tracks are works of fiction. The teen singer is also inspired by hip-hop, but she sees a difference between her own music and the braggadocious lyrics of many rappers, as she explained in a New Vogue interview. Just because the story isn't real doesn't mean it can't be important, she said. There's a difference between lying in a song and writing a story. There are tons of songs where people are just lying. There's a lot of that rap right now from people that I know who rap. It's like, I got my AK-47 and I'm fucking. And I'm like, what? You don't have a gun and all my bitches. I'm like, which bitches? That's posturing. And that's not what I'm doing. In the past, pop stars like Miley Cyrus and Lord have courted controversy over comments or lyrics that seemed to diminish the content and image of hip-hop. Unlike those artists, however, Eilish's affiliation with rap goes back to the roots of her career. She's collaborated with Denzel Curry, counted the late XX Tenshion as a friend, and previously cited rappers like Childish Gambino, Isaiah Rashad, and Jid, or is it J.I.D.? 
as major influences on her music. The history makes her comments a bit more surprising. Mm. You know, Mm. which makes me feel like I could be outraged at her for being a guest who comes into the genre and does what she does and then feels the need to pop off with slick talk whenever deemed, you know, whenever she feels necessary. Or I can say, Mm -hmm. hmm, does that say something about hip hop that she can just, you know, whose responsibility is it? It seems like the occasion of having just won all those Grammys sheds a different light on that message. I I agree. If she'd said it six months ago, I would have heard it a little different myself. Not I even agree. being a rapper. I agree. I um, agree. It's Food for ill thought. Time. Food for thought. Yeah. Food for thought. Food for thought on both ends about who we who, who we allow to partake and mm. what we're gonna do about you know that type of talk. Sure. From a creative standpoint, so that, that's more to the creatives, to the Definitely. to the to the to the guys and and, and girls who make hip hop. How does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. That the pop singer comes in, wins her Grammys, and then takes a shot at your content. Yeah. When she's collaborated with you and wears baggy Gucci suits yeah. at her award show performance. And honestly, when one of the rappers she was closest to, who you mentioned a minute ago, certainly wasn't winning any rewards for not being misogynist mm. on record or in real life. Mm. Mm. All right, that's that, man. Gets in the house podcast, brother. (laughs) (laughs) That's David Shanks, and I'm Mickey Huff. Yes, yes. Peace and love. Thank you.